0: Have you ever wondered what goes on behind the table at a dance competition? Exactly what are the judges looking for anyway? This is Making the Impact, a dance competition podcast. Each week, we'll cover a different topic related to the world of competitive dance from the perspective of the judges behind the table. You asked and we answered. Today's episode of Making the Impact focuses on two of the most important things in an aspiring dancer's life, the headshot and the resume. Joining us to give you the details about how to make your headshot and resume stand out is casting director Sean Webb, who also happens to be a former comp kid, professional dancer, and competition judge.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Welcome to this week's episode
1: of Making the Impact. I'm your host, Courtney Ortiz, and I'm here with my co-host, Leslie Mueller.
0: Hey, Courtney. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I am also great. It is competition season I have not yet been to a competition I have one more month left but I'm I'm so jazzed seeing everybody's posts from people across the country that are just starting out this month
1: yeah it is it is finally here y'all we are pumped about it because all of our judges are going to go out at IDA affiliated competitions and judge the weekend away and watch all your beautiful hard work on stage and I'm I'm so happy about it so yay for competition season And yay for this week's episode. This is an episode that we knew we had to do. We've been waiting a long time to do this episode. And also we needed to have the right guests for this episode. But this was a highly requested topic in our Facebook group, which if you haven't joined, be sure to join Making an Impact, a dance competition podcast community on Facebook, where we chat a lot over there about all things dance. And a lot of people tell us topics that they want us to tackle and this was one of them. We're talking all about headshots and resumes today, which is a topic that you, if you want to have a career in dance, you need to know what your resume should look like, what should be included on your resume, and also what kind of headshot you should have. So we're going to jump into this great
0: discussion today. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, and the crazy thing is the protocols and the expectations of both of those things change so much year to year and season to season and You know, yeah, you got to have your basics, but like 10 years ago, there were different things that were expected or not expected. So really excited to hear from our guest today who is currently in the world of casting and just knows exactly what is fresh and what Mm -hmm. needs to be on your resume and headshot currently. So super excited to get into this one.
1: Yes, me too. And before we jump into this episode, we want to tell you about our sponsors over here, to help make our podcast possible, and our sponsor for this week's episode is Level Up Dance Supplies. Level Up Dance Supplies is a family-owned and operated company. They have been the leading retailer of top-name brand dance gear since 2010. They proudly offer the largest selection of dance gear, such as Glamour Gear, Rack and Roll, Grits, k k Miami, and others, as well as their own line of dance bags, duffels, and many other accessories, to ensure that you are ready for the competition and get there in an organized fashion. Quality and affordability are a top priority for Level Up. They have the lowest prices and offer group discounts. Follow their Facebook page to see the latest and greatest new products, sales, and coupon codes. And be sure to use Impact 10 at checkout on levelupdanceupplies.com for any Level Up product. You'll receive $10 off. Some restrictions may apply.
0: Gear up for the competition season with Level Up Dance Supplies. And as we head into this competition season, I just wanted to remind our listeners and tell any of our new listeners about one of the special things that Making the Impact offers to IDA-affiliated competition, and that is the Making the Impact Award. So the Making the Impact Award is a special award given out at every affiliated competition that uses at least one IDA judge. And it's basically like the best of the best. Judges can't stop talking about it. Judges just love your routine. That can be anything from a solo to a huge, large production number, pretty much just what we love to see and that we just can't get over from you know day to day. It's like, oh, man, that one number. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have one that uh, we didn't get information about from the Nationals this summer, uh, this past summer, from Diva Dance Competition at their 2022 Nationals. And that goes to Revolution Dance Company at Leap of Faith from New Bedford, Massachusetts, for their small group dance entitled Fight, Flight, Freeze. So congratulations to y'all. I know that was like six or seven months ago at this point, but we are still so grateful that you let us know about that. And then this season, 2023, the first Making the Impact winner of the 2023 season, Diva Dance Competition again, because Diva starts very early in the season. They had an event in Milford, Massachusetts. So congratulations to Kaleidoscope of Dance and Gymnastics from New Bedford, Massachusetts. And Giada Gandolfi for her solo memories. So congratulations to them. Be on the lookout for the Making the Impact Awards. You get a shout out on the podcast if you let us know that you won that award. It is a very cool plaque that you get to display either at your home if you're a soloist or at the studio if you are a group dance. So we are super excited to just recognize more dances this season with the Making the Impact Award.
1: Yes, I'm so excited that we're doing this award again this season. It was a huge hit last year, and I can't wait to see all the other Making the Impact winners. All right, everyone, it is time to jump into this episode because we have a lot to cover in a short amount of time. We're talking about headshots and resumes in this next hour on the podcast. I am so excited to welcome a brand new guest who I've been asking to be on the podcast for quite some time, and I finally convinced him to be here. But I knew this was the episode for him because he is an active casting director in the industry and a former agent. So I'm very excited to welcome my very close friend, Sean Webb, to the podcast. Welcome, Sean.
2: Hi, Courtney and Leslie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad I finally made it. You made it. <laughs> Four seasons in. We finally got you. We yep. did it.
1: But you know what? It's hard to get you on board, Sean, because you're so busy.
2: You know, they're sending me around the world, casting all over the globe. So I'm excited to talk about Headshots and Resumes today.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm so excited. And it's, it's going to be a great discussion. I know you've had the opportunity and I, you're going to tell everybody a little bit more about you. And I've known you for so many years. On the dancer side of things, we got connected as judges together. And you were a previous judge on the IDA roster, actually. That's how we met. And we're connected that way, which I love so much. And then you transitioned into agent, now casting director. So you've looked at a ton of headshots and resumes through the past few years.
2: There's about 300 of them on my desk at my office right now. (laughs)
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. So I knew you were the perfect person to come and give your advice and opinion because we want to really approach this discussion. For dancers out there who are maybe transitioning from that competitive dance studio to now I want to start auditioning, what should my resume look like? What what kind of headshot should I have? I think that that's such a hard transitional period for so many dancers and they just don't have that guidance on how, how should I structure my resume and what kind of credit should I include? So we're going to dive deep into this chat and I'm pumped to hear what you have to say. But before we do, would you mind telling the world a little bit more about you, where you grew up, what? If you want to share your training when you were younger and any career credits
2: and what you're working on now. Sure, let's get into it. Hi everyone. My name is Sean Webb. I am a former dancer and performer myself. I grew up at my mom's studio in the Orlando, Florida area. Shout out to the Florida Studios holding it down over there. So grew up as a dance studio kid, convention, big convention and competition kid. Definitely kind of ignited my professional career in that space at a at a young age and then Went on to dance professionally and um, multiple different avenues within the industry. I moved to New York City and what year was that? 2011, I moved here and continued to audition and perform and judge and do all the things. And then finally just made the decision that I really was always interested in working on the other side of the table in some capacity. So with that, I um, started assisting with auditions, started doing some casting assistant work. Built relationships there and started working with some other casting directors to help assist with their auditions and and the casting process and really just kind of learning that. While I was doing that, a position opened up at a talent agency for an assistant position, and it sounded very intriguing. So I went through that process and interview and ended up working there for five years and working my way up to an agent position from an assistant to an agent position big bicoastal agency. And I worked on the dance choreography, commercial and print division within our New York office. And something that was interesting, now that we're talking about headshots and resumes, as you were saying, for, you know, dancers transitioning and growing up through the industry, we had a kids department as well, which I sort of um, helped manage and worked worked with that. So worked at the agency for about five years. And then lately, I am now a senior casting director at a global entertainment production company. We're based here in New York City. We also have offices in other parts of the country and then an office in London as well. And so we, again, global entertainment production company, and we do casting and produce events and experiences for theme parks, cruise ships, multiple cruise lines, and resorts all over the world. So that is what is keeping me busy now. I... Not only am a casting director for certain products uh, within our portfolio, but I audition dancers for everything within our portfolio. So I help run and facilitate those auditions and then, you know, put those people in our files and get, help get them opportunities uh, with everything in our portfolio. And like I said, I cast a specific product as well. So that's a little bit about my background.
1: Yes. And I'm just... So busy. Yes. So busy <laughs> traveling the world, casting dancers everywhere. And I'm just so excited to see like where your career has taken you because I was pumped when you got the agency position. But then this new opportunity of you to step into the casting role, I think it just suits you so well. And it's kind of like where you started your career as a dancer doing cruise ships and things. It's just like the perfect full circle for you. And you're such you're so good at this job. So
2: oh, thank
3: man. you. Yeah, it's
2: its amazing being back in the audition rooms and especially mm-hmm. in a uh post. CoVID-19 world, you know, we're still kind of going through it, but things are opening up all over the world, and opportunities are coming back for in all all facets of the industry, but just being back in the audition rooms and having you know the energy of a live audition and interacting with the performers i you've you've choreographed and helped us out with a lot yeah. of auditions, Courtney. Yeah, and just feeling the excitement and the energy when i when I speak with the dancers and say, like, we're so happy you're here, and we're so happy we're all doing this the way that we're doing it, and just feeling that energy is it's it's really amazing. And I love it so much.
1: Yeah. Yes. Well, we're pumped to finally have you on the pod. And I know we have a lot to cover. So let's jump into this episode. What should we start with headshots or resumes?
2: Let's
0: let our guest choose. Ooh,
2: I, I mean, I definitely think that they are one and the same. They are a package deal. Ooh. They are a it is two pieces of your entire package that you need as a as a working performer, you know, it's headshot and resume go hand in hand. So yeah, right. um,
0: you're never gonna have one without yeah. the other. Yeah.
2: In and in our industry. For I'd say let's start with let's start with resumes and then we can go into headshots and we can Ooh. bounce between the two.
0: Great. Okay. We love to bounce. Okay. Well, so I think for the youths out there, this is probably one of the hardest things to come up with unless you happen to be a kid who has a lot of credits. Mm. You know, like a headshot sure everybody sort of knows, okay, I need I need a picture of my face. Right. <laughs> I can do that. You know, that's that's a that's a pretty easy fix even if it's not going to be perfect, you know, you can pick that up pretty quickly, but like a resume, you know, I would assume business people a business resume, yes, looks different than a performer's resume, but for a child um or for somebody coming out of the competitive scene, they may not have a lot to put on it. So I'm wondering just for you personally, I, you came out of a studio, just like Courtney and I, you came out of your mom's studio, just like I came out of my mom's studio. Aww. So how did you learn how to write a dance resume? Did, did your mom tell you? Did, was that something she was able to help you with? Or did you figure that out on your own? It was definitely a mix of both. I think mm.
2: I knew right away that the resume is, the most important means of a resume is how do I, how does somebody get in touch with you? So, mm-hmm. you know, back then it was still very much like calling on the phone and You know, email was still kind of new and like, uh, you know, the technology has definitely taken us to a completely different space than (laughs) than it was many moons ago. But we definitely didn't have any sort of like courses or training on how to write them out. But Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. very much given to us that like they need somebody needs to know how to contact you and whatever else you put on Mm -hmm. there can kind of be tweaked and adjusted as you grow up. And I've sort of held on to that because Mm -hmm. the most important thing for me of the resume, whether I have a physical copy on my desk, or a digital copy in my casting files, and in my casting databases is how do I get in touch with you?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And sometimes performers, whether they're freshly starting out at a young age, or they're seasoned professionals, sometimes they make it very difficult <laughs> when the yeah. the purpose of the resume is not to just list paragraphs and paragraphs of credits and spiels about you. But who are you? Where are you from? How do I get a hold of you? Hmm. And I think that's like the most important thing that I would stress to anyone is that I need those basic we need those basic pieces of information on them: your name, a contact email address, a phone number. Let's start with that. Let's keep it very bare bones and at least start with that. (laughs) I have Mm -hmm. been in some audition rooms and taken headshots away. And been headshots and resumes away and I'll look at them days or weeks later. I'm like, there's no information on here. Like
3: Yeah, you want to hire them and you're like, I can't.
2: And (laughs) and now I have to like look you up. We can dive into that. I know I'm kind of now you're good. Going around the question, but yeah, that's I think that's the most important thing to start with. And so for a young dancer, maybe somebody, you know, that's still at a dance studio or maybe that's just uh, graduating from their studio and, and moving into the industry, we just need the basics to get to know you. We need I need your name, contact information. You've got to put your height on your resume. Uh, That's for everyone. That's a piece for everyone. And then if you want to list like, where did you dance? What studio are you from? If you want to list a few conventions and competitions that you've gone to, especially at a young age, I think that's totally fine. Because I've been in this industry for a long time. I know all of them. And if Mm -hmm. I don't know one of the names of these conventions or competitions, maybe I'm going to look it up and be like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. Or, Mm. oh, you were Miss or Mr. This or That. Like, what is what does that mean? Mm -hmm. There are certain uh, brands that I obviously do know very well and sometimes partner with and audition there. Or I've known, you know, those convention competition owners for a long time. But there's there's definitely more that I'm willing to research and find out, you know, sort of what does that say about you and Mm -hmm. where are you from and what kind of training is that providing?
0: And then I have a question. Yes. (laughs) When do you take that off your resume? Mm. The things like conventions, competitions, Miss Starp, whoever you are, when does that come off? Because I think you're totally right. I think it's perfectly fine and fair Mm -hmm. if you don't have any quote unquote professional credits or community theater credits or anything besides a dance competition to list. but when does that come off, in your opinion? That's a great
2: question. I believe that once you start really diving into the industry and getting some things on your resume credit-wise, you can go ahead and remove them. I think it's important that if you're you're fresh to the dance scene, keep them on there because that for me is a is a talking point because I can be like, oh, you went to this convention and you were up for this title. Like tell me about that. Or Mm. you know, I can get some more information about you. But I think once you start, okay, you booked this gig with this choreographer, or you did this episode of this TV show, or you you booked, you know, you're you're one of the kids in the Music Man on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I no longer need to know that you're also Miss Starbiz as well. Like that, <laughs> that no longer holds weight in terms of how I'm thinking about what kind of performer you are, because I know based on those other things that are there.
1: Right, like you know Got that, it. like they are, yep. they are at this level if they're in Music Man mm-hmm. on Broadway. Right. Like, and I- listen,
2: if if you're 14 and, and you have that on your resume, but you still have some of the conventions and competitions, that's totally fine, because mm-hmm. you may still be in that world as right, well. That's true. So for me, that's okay. But when you're when you're 18, 19, 20, I would say, keep them on when you're like 18, 19, because you're, you're just entering the right. industry as a professional, I can kind of assess and not just me, other people can kind of assess your training and your background in the the events you're attending, and get to know you a little more. But there definitely becomes that point where it's okay, you're starting to work, you're, you. You now have an agent representation or you Mm. you have these Mm -hmm. credits. You're starting to do things with these working choreographers. And that's going to tell me a little bit more that you're working with this choreographer or this person or signed with this agent rather Mm -hmm. than where you competed or or took classes.
1: Okay, I have a few thoughts. First thought is I want to let everyone know how I learned how to write my resume. And Mm. it was my agency.
0: My very. (laughs) Wait. wait. Yeah. (laughs) Which means post booking her first job because you didn't have an agent when you booked your first job correct correct so i so i just thought that was important to note (laughs) so
1: what's crazy about my story and my resume is that i booked my first job without a resume because i booked my first job at a royal caribbean audition that took place at star power nationals in ocean city maryland oh yes competition blending into professional life so that was my very first job we all worked for royal caribbean that's how leslie and i met you worked for royal caribbean sean so i went to an audition at an at a competition, didn't have a resume. I was on vacation. I showed up in in like cut off sweat shorts and like one sock, and like booked a job somehow without a resume. You know, just my talent. Somehow it got me a job, and then I did the job. Then I moved to New York and was looking for representation. Had an in at the agency, and I don't even know what I sent them. I was just like, I'm right, I'm right off a cruise ship, and I moved to New York City. Here I am, and they somehow signed me, and then gave me a resume template and said. Fix your resume, girl. Yep. <laughs> because wow, this looks like a hot mess. Like I don't know what I sent them, but they gave me an actual template to show me how I'm sh- I'm supposed to structure my resume. Agency thing goes here. Here's where your name goes. Here's where your contact information goes. All right, if you have TV things, if you have theater shows, training at the bottom, special skills at the bottom. You like it was that was how I learned. So I think that's really I feel very lucky that my agency, my very first agent, was able to guide me in that way. And not every dancer gets that. And before I continue on, Leslie, did college teach you how to write your resume?
0: So I learned in uh, high school. I had a family friend who was very active in the community theater programs and kind of took me under her wing Mm. before I started auditioning for colleges and stuff. So, like, you know, my my resume by the time I got into college already had all of my high school theater, already had all of my high school chorus, Mm. already had all of my like it was already structured the way it was pretty much structured until I, you know, retired. Mm. (laughs) It all just got changed, you know, right. stuff got dropped off, kind of like Sean said, after it didn't matter anymore that I was Fastrata and Pippin when I was a junior <laughs> in high school. Like, first of all, <laughs> not that. But yeah, so I I was lucky because I had already had, you know, it pretty much laid out the way that I wanted it to. And then over the years, it just the font changed or I would do funny things like by the end of it, I was so annoyed because I'm very short and a lot of people don't like to hire short dancers just depending on the gig, whatever. So I would always put five feet tall, and then in parentheses, but five three in heels. Oh my god! <laughs> because like it's quirky, it's funny, it's a talking point, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. and that makes me a little more castable if I'm a little taller. So you know, I we can that. talk about ways to judge your resume when when it's not really lying. But <laughs> oh
1: yeah, I want to talk about <laughs> judging. That. But I want to go back to us talking about like when to remove things. And I think the other thing yeah. to think about, especially for like we were talking about right now, competitive dancers who may have accolades that they've achieved throughout their time as a competitive dancer that they want to put on their resume, I think there also is a, sp- for me, like a specific expectation of the caliber of that credit. Like it has, I think it needs to be like at the national level, the achievement. I don't think that you, I don't think that, I mean, of course, you need to start with something, but- I think that it's like if this was a one day regional event and you only had five people in your category and you won title, I don't think that that we, I don't, I'm sorry, like, I don't think that really belongs on the resume. Like, yes, it's their achievement, but we're really, we're really fluffing it right now. Like, we, it's really fluffy. I
2: agree. That's really (laughs) reaching. And while, you know, the casting director may know enough about that world to decipher that, I think it's also enough to say, these are the conventions and competitions that I attended. Mm-hmm. Give a bullet point of like five or six of them. You have a national title or a runner up for a national title or high score. Yes. Great. Throw yes. it in there. But every single thing, you know, you know, you don't need to say that you were Miss Runner Up or your county fair. Like mm-hmm. you're whatever. You, not everything has to be in there. Yeah. Um. So keep it keep it concise. And again, like you were saying, always editing, always, you know, hey, I want to keep evolving. that. I want to keep that national title in, but I'm removing a bunch of the other. Um, educational, you know, junior credits, essentially. But then, once you add a little bit more, you can go ahead and take that national title off because once you're 25 and you have a tour or something under mm-hmm. your belt or enough work experience, even doing multiple cruise lines and doing, you know, this this gig here and this gig here, like I no longer need to know about your uh, pre professional experience.
0: Right. Right. And I mean, I always kept a kind of a master resume mm, of like that's smart. that was i never i never re- removed anything i just kept adding to that one and just held on to it mm. so that i could kind of call back like i like oh that. when did i do that job right. or who was that choreographer like you know it, you just never know when you might need information that's true even just for your own memory absolutely and as a uh,
2: as a professional performer resume as well you're always editing it for everything that you're going in for mm-hmm. because right. you don't need to fill so many people think they need to fill all the space on the page And when we're at the audition table, and there's a ton of things happening, we're just scanning, we're looking for like, keywords, key key credits, key choreographers. And I mean, I'm writing all over. This is why I I like the physical headshot and resume in front of me when I'm in session, because I can make notes, I can jot something down, I can underline something, I can circle it. And like, for me, it's my own little language of what that means. But Mm -hmm. it gives me something to point back to and Oh, maybe you've worked for the company that I work for, or Oh, I know this choreographer and let me go ask him about this person if, you know, I, I need a recommendation or I just want some more information. Like these are all just quick talking points. And so if if you have a, if you list everything you've ever done and it's paragraphs and bullet points and fonts and this and that, then it just becomes hard to even
3: mm-hmm. look yeah, at. And, just... and that's
2: just easier for you to get missed because then I'm like, I don't have sure. to die for all this. Right. In different markets, it's it's different as well. Like a New York City headshot and resume mm,
3: sometimes different. looks
2: different than a New York uh an than an LA yep. headshot or resume. We go across the pond to London and other places around the world and sometimes I'm getting packets of information mm, and it's not right. just a double-sided format that we that we typically use here in New York. So sometimes too much more isn't always better, right? Keeping it just concise right. and here's some talking points and here's some some credits, I think is is, is enough
1: yeah so something i want to dive into is to kind of a description of the ideal format that we want a resume because i feel like especially being able to sit a little bit behind the table with you recently sean on the casting side and obviously not casting but just kind of being there and observing the resumes that are submitted by dancers there is a lot of confusion as to what the what the format's supposed to be for yes. everybody across the board so Sean, do you want to, like, dive into, like, what your ideal format looks like for, like, when you're glancing at a resume from top to bottom?
2: Sure. Uh, for me, big, bold name at the top center. Big. Big, bold name. Easy to read. Easy yes. to read.
1: Shouldn't have to squint.
2: Yes. If you, <laughs> for me as well, and this is just a personal preference. You totally don't have to do this. This is not the norm. But if you have a very unique name or la- first or last name, if you want to, like, somehow phonetically spell it out, like, in mm. parentheses. Mm. Definitely helpful. I'm not saying like yeah. I'm saying like the the very unique names, like mm-hmm. help us out because we're trying. You've heard me call these <laughs> right. names, and listen, I'm going to get half right and half wrong, but I'm going to try. I'm going to make the adjustment, but if you have a very <laughs> unique name, like give a little clue mm-hmm. there, and that just also shows your personality <laughs> because you're show you you sure. know that you have a unique name, Right and, exactly, and we love that. It's beautiful, and i want to I want to make sure that I'm addressing all the performers as close to the proper way <laughs> as possible. <laughs> right, right. Either under the name or to the side of the name in a very prominent location, I need your contact information, your email, your phone number, and some attributes about you. I need your height. I need maybe your hair color. I, it, it can change, especially for the female identifying performers. It can change a lot. But general hair color. Great. If you want to put your pronouns, that's great as mm. well. I do not need your weight. I will never need to know how much. Say it again. I will never Say it need again. To know World. how much you weigh. There we go. Need your height, and I need. We can talk about all the other things in different ways, rather than listing a number of weight that doesn't affect anything immediately in the room. So,
0: do you need my PO box? I do
2: not need your address.
0: All right, great, good to know.
2: <laughs> no mailing I am, address. I am not walking up to your door to knock with, with a check like Ed McMahon. I am not coming over. I do think it's helpful if you don't live in the area Mm. where we are casting or in the country that we are casting for, I think it's helpful if you want to let me know, like, I'm from Toronto, Canada. Great point. Right. And if you're going to do that, I would also say, what is your visa status? Like, maybe Mm. you don't have Mm. one and that's okay. But if, if i see oh you're from toronto you're from vancouver you're from london like that's I'm where gonna, your brain I'm, goes that's where my brain goes i'm gonna can i hire yeah, you can i hire you <laughs> how can i hire and you how can I, yeah. if, if i'm gonna put you through all these rounds how i want to make sure that i'm not wasting any of our yep. time and the certain things that i cast for there's a little more flexibility you dive into the tv and film world that's a whole different beast mm, yep. with same in with terms broadway. of with, and broadway as well exactly for for visa status so, so it's great to know like oh this is our friend from canada let me make a little star next to that, and I really you like her, questions. but I need to follow up and kind of find out what their visa status is. But if you have an O-1, go ahead and say, I'm from Canada, I have an O-1 visa. Boom. That makes you more marketable right out the gate, right. and less digging that a uh, casting director or production manager has to do to help get you mm-hmm. the job. Because at the end of the day, we want to get you the job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is mm-hmm. our goal. Uh, we want you all to succeed, and we want to we hire you all and move on to the next project. So, What yes. about,
1: like, age? I tricky one. That's I a, mean,
2: that's a tricky one. For
1: eighteen and under, I think that it's crucial to know that. Yes. obviously. Yep.
0: I or like eighteen plus or something. Eighteen plus. Like if you I've, look young and you're, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I think if you're like
2: sixteen or seventeen, you can say turns eighteen on this date. Oh. Or like turns eighteen on. This is where it gets tricky because there are there are, there are recent laws where as casting and essentially essential employment employment recruiters we are not allowed to ask you your age so Mm -hmm. there are ways around it and there we do need to verify if you're over or under 18 for certain things
1: is that something that's like listed in most audition notices is 18 and over are only eligible to audition so like if there was someone on the cusp that's like i'm about to turn 18 and i want a job but i'm 17 are they even allowed to come so at least like the people on the other side of the table know that everyone is an adult
2: in the room they would still be allowed to attend they it, it would just be kind of made clear that mm. they may or may not be able to get the job because, because of their age. I would say easy rule of thumb, don't put your actual age on the resume. If you're about to turn 18, maybe say like mm-hmm. list a clever way of saying, "Hey, I'm about to turn 18 because that's just going to help you get the job mm-hmm. depending on when it's casting and what it is is for." Typically here in in the states, don't put your age and we will figure out the rest of those logistics as we get to know you further. Past that, let's move on to your experience, like what What do you have going on? And I am very much a clean column, clear, lay it out for me so I can visually see it. Like give me the name of the project or the company or what it is. Who was the choreographer or director or like give me a name, the producer even depending on the project, maybe where it took place or what episode it was or what theater it was at. And just keep it like very clear because these are all talking points. I want to mm-hmm. get to know you more. I want to say, oh, you did this gig with this person at that. Was it also with this and with that? Like, then we can have an, an engaging conversation about it
0: later. Do you need dates on any of these? things? You do things? not
2: ever put dates on your resume.
0: Good to know. Excellent. If you excellent. danced at the
2: VMAs with Britney Spears, let me guess which year you did it. <laughs> But if it was in 1996, you're aging yourself out mm-hmm. of the role probably. So let, let me get to know you a little bit more with that. So yeah, don't ever put the dates. Oh, that's so helpful. I need to remove a date <laughs> off of my
1: resume.
0: I actually have- <laughs> like... Learning, we're so much learning Fun
1: here. fact, <laughs> I have my. I still have a high school credit on my resume and that is the Young Arts Award that I won in my senior year of high school because that's such a credible known in uh, organization Absolutely. in the arts industry. And like, that's a huge achievement. That I've always had it on my resume, but it does say the date. So it says 2007 Young Arts winner for Modern Dance. And made, And I've thought about it too recently. I've thought about like, oh man, if they really like, do the that math, was a minute ago, they will know I'm over 30 years old. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I'm going to remove the 2007 and they don't need to know when I won it. Exactly. You just <laughs> say
2: you were a Young Arts winner. And the end. there it is.
0: And th- I was young then. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I see a lot of people put things all the time like, professional experience it's mm. like well what's what's non-professional experience like mm. there's certain words that you think are adding value to your resume but they really aren't you right. can just say experience or if you have multiple things in multiple areas you can say like live performance tv and film commercials that like you can break it down but if there's just one credit or one thing below each subheading you don't need to do that because we know when we're looking at it that, oh, you were on an episode of SNL and you were also in this regional theater job, that those are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Like we, we know what that means.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if it's laid out and there's breathing room and it's, you know, aesthetically pleasing to look at and not cluttered, I'm going to know that those are completely different things. Whereas if you have put so much stuff on there, you've made all these different colors and borders and this and that, and like it, it's visually unpleasing to the eye, then it just becomes, it becomes too much. So definitely you want to list your experience and however many credits you have, you can definitely edit and remove some things. There's a misconception that you have to put everything in chronological order.
1: Mm, Yes. And that is
2: not the case. You Mm. should be moving rows up and down on your resume depending on what you're going in for. Mm -hmm. Because if if you're auditioning for a certain musical, let's say, or a cruise line, but it's buried in and I have to look for it. Showing me that you have cruise line experience should be at the top of your resume. Right. In any sort of opinion, it may not be the most exciting credit, but for what you're auditioning for, for it is. it is. Exactly. And I think that people just think, oh, well, I, I need to list it in some sort of, you know, chronological order and sort of the way that I sort it. But no, it should be kind of curated based on what you're going in for so that the information is easy for the casting director or the casting assistant or the audition monitor that may be typing you out before you even step foot in the That's room true. to see this information.
0: Right. Another key point of the you must constantly be editing is you need to have that document saved as a Word file that can be edited, mm-hmm. but then download whatever version you're using as a PDF to send because nobody wants nope. to receive a Word document nope. in an email. Nope. Yep, if And I... you need to title
1: it properly with your name and it can't have like, jumbled like file number one, two, three, four, five as in no, absolutely not. Of my, <laughs> Or <a>
0: template.
2: <laughs> the amount of my resume dot word file <laughs> <J-Pet>. in my <laughs> downloads folder that just sit there because I don't have the time to go through and, right,
0: that's not your job. and
2: edit them and look through them. And then sometimes I'll find them and I'm like, oh, I really like them. But uh, 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 uh. like it's Ugh. it's just adding more work for everybody else involved where just name your resume, your first name, your last name, resume.
1: Right. Right. And yep. that way when you need Updated to save it as a something. PDF
2: really quick or you need to export it or you need to whatever and send it off. Sometimes you're doing this from your phone in the lobby of the right. studio that you're right. auditioning for. So you kind of gotta get ahead of the game and just get ready to have it have a PDF, have it named properly, and just make it easy for everybody else that totally. you're gonna be sharing this this information with. So moving down the list of how the formatting should go, that's when you can add in education, training things like that. Like if you went to school for dance, that's amazing. You want to list where you went. You do not need to put what year you graduated. Mm. You just say, this is where I went to school. These are some notable professors or guest artists that you know were there for you during your time at that at that place.
1: I have a question about that. What if there's someone like me? I'm learning so much. What if there's someone like me who went to college for a hot second but did not graduate? Do if you have the BFA, you put the BFA, but if you don't have the BFA, then can you still list that as training?
2: That's a tricky one.
1: I have it on my resume. Like I have Marymount Manhattan College on my resume with the teachers who trained me for my one semester that I went there because I know it's a prestigious school, but I don't have that I have a BFA. I don't insinuate that, but I did train there, so I put it under my training.
2: Fair. I think it's totally up to you. Again, that's a conversation piece that if somebody that maybe, you know... Is auditioning at Marymount, or has connections with a dean there, or a professor there, or whatever, and wants to have that conversation? You can say, Mm -hmm. "Absolutely, I went there, and I went there for this amount of time, and then I booked a job, and I did this, and I did that." Like again, this is all. I'm never direct hiring people because I'm looking at your resume and just saying, "You booked it, you did it." Like these are conversation pieces. Even Mm -hmm. even talent, you know, that we would we repped it at the agency, like that have these insane resumes yes, they may be getting direct book for things, but they're still talking points. And the the people that are hiring them, the casting directors, the creative directors, the choreographers, they know these people based on those credits already. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a talking point. It's a it's a conversation. It's it's a job interview on your resume. And we as casting directors, we just want to get to know everybody more. Mm-hmm. So I think for that question about about the college, like that's totally up up to you to decide and however you want to If it's something that you don't want to talk about later, then you should remove it. Yeah. If you're okay with talking about it and sharing your journey and your story Mm -hmm. of where you are today,
1: leave it on. Great. Love it.
2: Again, as you, I think, develop through your career as a performer, you can start to remove some of the education and training sections. Like it doesn't need to be as vast as it would be if you're fresh out of high school or fresh out of college, because I don't need to see anyone you've ever taken class from anymore. If you have (laughs) plenty of experience listed at the top so let's Mm -hmm. save valuable real estate for that
0: and i think a good rule of thumb for listing training people like people you've trained under is if i could call them up and say hi bob fossey do you know courtney ortiz (laughs) how was she to work with then you could put him on the resume if bob fossey doesn't know who you are from adam then maybe don't put him because i might call him you never know i might call it because again it's a talking point it's getting to know you it's you as the casting agent or casting director Saying, hmm, I wonder how she is to work with. Her credits look really great. But like, is she a nice person? Let me just call him real quick. 100%. And if he doesn't know who you are, that doesn't look very good.
1: Very (laughs) small dance world, everybody. So it's very quick. It's easy for us to know when you're kind of fluffing things on your resume. Because if Sean sees that someone says that they trained with me, does that dancer know that Sean knows me? They probably don't. And then Sean's going to see, oh, Courtney, I saw you're on someone's resume. How do you what do you think of this girl? It says that you worked with her. And I'd be like, I don't even know who that is. What yep. are you talking about? That's the last thing you want. Yeah. You do not want that.
2: <laughs> it's amazing to take class and have this vast, you know, pool of, of teachers and choreographers and things that you can people you can take courses from. But again, you're listing essentially you're listing this person as a reference. So mm-hmm. if you barely know each other, then I don't don't put don't put the name down Yeah, like like
1: if you train with them at a convention i mean you train with them yes that's great but like again like leslie said like you they have you you
0: should have like a well did you really train with them that's a whole nother conversation you took a class from them one class maybe a few every year in a ballroom on a carpet right anyway (laughs) that is true
2: if you're not assisting them if they don't know you Mm -hmm, maybe they don't fully know you by any but if they if that connection isn't developed then i don't think i don't need to know that you took class from somebody once. <laughs> Once at a convention. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, Great And like points. I said, the education and training section, I think, can get smaller and smaller as your career develops. And uh, again, it's just taking up real estate on your resume because you want to keep it to a one page. You want it to be a one sheet. And so that can start to get smaller in that section. And then at the very bottom, you know, you want to put some special skills that you have. And maybe we can spend, the three of us can spend a moment talking about what are special skills. What's a
1: special skill? Yeah. What does that even mean? What are you allowed to put down there?
2: It's, it's a great space on your resume. It's also <laughs> a wild space and I've seen some crazy things. For me, like, do you have tumbling ability? And what does that mean? I, I think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. If you are international and you have a visa or a, a certain passport or you hold multiple passports, that could be useful for some international work. Mm-hmm. License um, if you can yeah. drive. If you can drive, if you have a passport, that's great. If you're not fluent in a language, I do not need to know about it. Mm. If you Conversational Spanish is yeah, not helpful. Conversational Spanish is not helpful. Just like basic tap is not helpful. Mm. Right. So, like hopefully we all have that. Right.
1: <laughs> if you're like a sick hoofer, put that down there. And that should already be in your training. We should know that right. from your training. But like,
2: but you can reemphasize it down mm -hmm. at the bottom. And then I can go back and I can see a teacher and be like, Oh, I know that person. And then it all connects the dots from your resume from there.
1: Partnering, I think is crucial to put to just let us know that you understand how to do that. If you've done a lot of lifts before, if you and because you wouldn't put that on there unless you were comfortable being partnered too, like, exactly, you know, so I think that's important to put.
2: And anything you list, you should be able to demonstrate in the room.
1: On command. Oh, yeah. yeah. And if That's you're... bit me before. So be very careful
0: is... about your tumbling. Yes. Be very, be, do not say that I can do, a, you know, all the tumbling passes if you're not ready to do it. Because they will ask you to do it. And the number of times I've seen some people fail because it's not warmed up, mm-hmm. you know. And it's listen, if it's me. on your resume, they assume you can do it in any circumstance, on a cruise ship, on a moving platform, in Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on the concrete, mm-hmm. like – you have to really be confident in your abilities for any of those special skills because they'll get they're gonna ask you
2: 100%
1: I have a funny special skills story so I've always put on my special skills that I can whistle which is a special skill
0: that's I that's been on my resume too I'm a great I'm a great whistler
1: (laughs) and uh there have been many shows that I've done where people are required to whistle and people can't so then there's people people off stage whistling for the other people (laughs) so like I've always had it on my resume well, of course. The one uh, time uh, the casting no. asks me to whistle, your lips and My were dry. lips were so dry because <laughs> I just finished <laughs> singing, which I had a horrible singing audition. And then the reading, scanning through my resume, oh, you can whistle. Can you whistle something for us? I'm like,
0: oh, oh God. God. And I'm trying so hard. I'm
1: like, like, nothing's coming out. And it was just so pathetic. I'll never oh, forget it because it was just such an embarrassing moment in the room. And I was like, I promise I can whistle. You know, you don't want to be that person where you're like, Oh, I, yeah, I actually I can get my aerial. Don't worry. I, I have it. It's like, do you though? Yeah, no, right. you? no, oh. you know.
2: And at, when I was at the agency, we would work on all kinds of projects, whether it was like a live event or an industrial or a commercial or a this or that. And to keep it this simple, it's like if you put that you can skateboard on your under your special skills, if you don't own a skateboard, then you can't skateboard. Mm-hmm. 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 Because guess what? If that commercial casting director was like, oh, they skateboard, they must be able to do tricks. They must be able to do that. Bring your skateboard to the casting. Oh, well, I don't have one. Got it. You don't skateboard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you don't. So you can't help. You can't be helped.
2: We're taking it out of dance for a moment and just making it like real every day in that moment. And it's like, so you don't skateboard. So just be very clear about what you do. If you tumble, if you do aerial work, if you do this, if you do that.
1: If you rollerblade, if you do baton twirling, if you can breathe fire, if you know how to yo-yo—I mean, these sound stupid. I swear to God, like Like, you—you never know when someone might need that. Like for a while, I had like crochet and knitting on my resume because I knew how to do that. Like to me, that's a special skill. Not everyone doesn't knows how to crochet. I mean, I you I never know when a commercial will be like, we need somebody that knows how to do this. You just don't know.
2: So I've probably uh-huh. worked on one that I needed <laughs> to find clients that could crochet while tap dancing. I
1: Right, right. Exactly. Right. The
2: weirdest things <laughs> pop up. So yeah, special skills is a great area, but sometimes people just over flood it with nonsense. And it's like, keep it concise. Keep it to what you do, what mm-hmm. you know. And again, more talking points of getting to know you.
3: Yep.
1: Hey, listeners, are you a die-hard Making the Impact fan? Do you love tuning in to our weekly episodes all about the dance industry? Well, if so, we would love for you to continue to support our podcast by joining our Platinum Premium Podcast subscription. New for this season, our Platinum Premium subscription offers members exclusive access to monthly bonus episodes of Making the Impact. Our Q&A with Courtney live episodes are now exclusive to our subscribers only. And all Platinum Premium members will get priority to have their dance competition questions answered on an upcoming episode. Other Platinum Premium perks include Making the Impact stickers mailed to you and your dancers, ad-free listening for all of Season 4, discounts on Making the Impact merchandise, exclusive bonus content, and a discounted IDA online critique from me by joining us on our platinum premium subscription you are helping support our podcast to continue to produce the quality content you all love for years to come our platinum premium subscription is only five dollars a month or you can pay a one-time fee for upfront yearly access with over 50 platinum premium members and counting we truly are making the impact learn more and subscribe now at slash platinum premium and now let's get back to the show
2: So that's sort of my dream layout.
1: I love it. I think that things that I've seen recently on resumes that before we get into the headshot talk, which I'd love to jump into things that I've seen recently on resumes is just like the the just the format in general is wrong. So like I want everyone to really listen to what we just talked about because I really think we clarified it. And obviously, this is a podcast, so you don't have the visual aspect of what we're talking about. But I think I've already decided that I'm going to if you're in our Facebook group, I'm going. Once this episode airs, I'm going to share my resume and show you what it looks like, so you can see. Okay, this is how it's formatted. Okay, these are what the credits look like. These are how they they're discussed. Because I think a lot of people think that the resume is supposed to look like a regular. I'm applying for a job resume, and it's very different. And with that being said, we are talking about professional resumes. Yes, a teaching resume or a choreography resume is a professional resume, but. You, it's it's actually a different kind of format.
0: Oh, it's still going to look completely it's different. It's going to look yeah. completely
1: different than what your professional audition resume is going to look like as a dancer. So, And that can be a whole other podcast episode because we don't have the time. And that actually, I would say, like that teaching one feels a little bit more like a regular uh, mm-hmm. resume that you would present to go to a, a job. business resume. Yeah, like yeah, a business yeah. resume that has like actual paragraphs of your skills and the things that you did under these jobs. And the dates might be there.
0: And could be longer than one page because I think mm-hmm. to... Performance resumes are one page because it has to be segue stapled to your headshot. <laughs> oh my gosh, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So
1: the ideal size for at least in New York City, we are talking, and, and you can let us know, Sean, if this is accurate in other uh regions around the country. But for all of us as New Yorkers, the ideal size for a headshot and resume needs to be an eight by ten, everybody. Not an eight and a half by eleven. That is already wrong. You're already wrong if it's an eight and a half by eleven, because your headshot should be printed on eight by ten. You staple the resume. You print the resume off on eight and a half by eleven document paper. You staple it in all four corners to the back, and then you trim it to make it be eight by ten. I
2: hope it.
0: Why it's not any easier in 2023, I do not understand. I know, but yes, that is how that's how it has to be. The
2: struggle that keeps on struggling.
0: You have to cut your. You have to cut it. It is.
1: So annoying. I'm looking at one right here. Sean brought some resumes uh, with, to use as like a guide. And here's one right here looking at us that you did, didn't oh, grab no, the scissors and didn't cut it. Like, it, no. it's like attention to detail for me, actually. It's like uh, first impression, to be quite honest, is, yep. is, I don't know if that's how you feel.
2: I mean, the amount of people that are turning in and I'm casting, er, these auditions are hundreds and thousands of people. Right sometimes and it's the amount of things people bring and they're not stapled or they have a safety pin i've seen bobby pins (laughs) holding things (laughs) together yeah it's like somebody has a stapler or there's one at the front desk or bring you know just come prepared bring a little mini a little mini stapler with you and make it work charge
0: per staple if somebody needs to borrow it like (laughs) (laughs) Another
1: thing I want to just mention that I thought about and that I've seen recently and and I've seen others do is that a lot of people will get their resumes printed onto the back of, directly printed onto the back of their headshot. You do not want to do that. Why? Because of all the reasons we just listed, because your resume should be evolving and changing for each audition that you go into and adjusting slightly. And when you
0: get a new credit, how can you add it when it's already printed onto the back?
2: And now you're having to throw all that away. Yeah. Or...
0: And half the time, the printing companies for the headshot won't let you print any less than like 300 right. or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And so like, you really, you know, I, I did do that a couple of times because somebody was offering a deal where you could get like 50 mm-hmm. and I was auditioning a lot, you know, with it printed on the back. And I did that like the one time, but it, it really is not. It, it sounds like a great fix right. for the problem of the, you know, the cutting, but it's really not. Don't don't do it. And
1: yeah. all
2: you have to do with the Word document is just set up your margins to be yes. eight by ten. And that way you're you're always making a revision, maybe on your way to the studio to go to this audition or you're stopping by Staples to print out your your resume really quick. It's already formatted and set Mm -hmm. up. And then all you have to do is just little do trim, 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 staple, give it to the casting assistant and you're good to go. Yes. And as you've seen at the table with me, Courtney, when you don't staple it properly or Mm -hmm. it's formatted completely differently than everybody else's as I'm thumbing through them and calling out names and whatever. People like people go missing. Pe- mm-hmm. I lose pieces of information from yeah. from the packet because it's not properly assembled. And again, you're in the room live and it's already hard for me to find you. Right. And you're right here.
1: Right. You don't want to make the I, casting
2: director's job harder. We want to find you. We want to hire you. We want to hire all of you.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: depending on the types of projects that uh, the casting director or the choreographer is is what they're working on, they may have hundreds of roles and things available. So like. It, that's definitely the nature of my job right now. We have so many opportunities for dancers around the world mm-hmm. and performers and singers and singer-dancers and aerialists, and we want to hire all of you. So just having a proper headshot and resume and assembled the right way and delivered the right way, mm-hmm. you're already ahead of the game Yeah, by doing it.
1: Absolutely. Oh, glad we talked about that because, woof, so many people are coming without the staples, y'all. Just don't <laughs> forget the staples, everybody. <laughs> it's actually funny. I'm just thinking about the fact that my boyfriend's not in the dance world, but he used to run a rehearsal space that would host auditions. And that was like one of the most frustrating things on his end that he would always say whenever there was an audition, the dancers would always come unprepared, asking for scissors, asking for staples. And let's be real. We've all done it. We've all showed up Absolutely. at Pearl 100%. Studios. Ask, you have a oh. Because and like at a lot of the New York studios now, they do have like a little space that's designated for yeah.
0: this is your resume prep. At, at least they have that. Remember NOLA and the mean man at NOLA? And no, that guy would never give you a stapler. <laughs> like, absolutely not. You didn't come prepared. Sorry about it.
2: <laughs> and it's just essentials that should be a part of your audition bag that you, mm-hmm. you know, if, as, yes. as a working professional or diving into the industry to be a working professional. It's just something you should have ready. You yeah. should always have extra yeah. headshots and extra resumes in your. Yep.
0: Ooh, yeah. This is my little thing that I, this was in my audition bag and it's it's now in my um, Capizio like notebook that I bring everywhere for fittings because it's got my pins, it's got my post-its, it's got my stapler, mm-hmm. it's got my scissors. And it was in it was literally in the back of all my sheet music mm-hmm. in that binder because you just you just need all that stuff. And and I was always the person who was asked to, you know, oh gosh, Leslie has that. Like go ask right. Leslie. You know? And I like <laughs> I like to be that person. Yep.
2: And that way you're just always <laughs> ready. You have your stapler, you have your headshot, your resume, all the things just ready to go. Yep.
0: All right. So here we are at headshot land. Sean, for a dance headshot, or I, I guess I, we're talking dance, so let's let's kind of live in the dance world. What are the main goals for a dance headshot to accomplish, from your perspective? So if we're just talking about headshot and not body
2: shot. I think the, the most important thing is that I should be able to look at your headshot and look at you in the room and identify that this is you.
0: <laughs> I think- Get Nice, basic. Let's
2: yeah. keep it real simple and yeah. real to the point. Tell
0: us how to contact
2: you and look like- And look picture. like your photo. <laughs> the end. I'm, the end, episode over. <laughs> I, care, I care more about what, how you dance and how you move and how you perform in the room that, than anything else. But I need to take this away with me and remember who you are right and remember, oh, this is so and so now I need to dig through my files of footage and the you know the digital that we took of you if you made it through the end with us and the information that's in your your packet and I need to like make the correlation between all of these moving parts mm. as I'm seeking to put you forward through the process to then maybe get you approved with creative like. All of that has to be assembled on my end. Yeah. And if I, the amount of times that I see somebody <laughs> amazing in the room and I'm loving this person, we put them through, we get them on file, we, ha- it's all, it's all going good. Weeks later, I then remember that they didn't have the greatest headshot, or it was a little confusing, and I look at it and I'm like, I don't, re- I would not remember this person mm. if I tried. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not even just about the quality of the photo or this or that. It's. It's the vibe of the photo of me remembering like, yep, that was this person and this is what they were wearing and this is how they danced. I remember I remember them. Right. It's so that I can make that connection. So simplest and first and foremost, it just needs to look like you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important, uh, like for all the parents that have, you know, young kids that are maybe diving into the industry and they're thinking they need to spend all this money and they need this whole Mm -hmm. photo shoot and this and that listen, your kids are going to be growing up and changing every mm-hmm. single year. Right. As we're doing this, when I was working in the kids department at my agency, we would say don't spend don't spend $1,000 on headshots for your kids. Mm-hmm. Your kid is 12 in four years, they're not going to look like this person at all. And you're you're going to need new digitals and new photos every couple of months and every year because you're growing and developing and changing. So just like a a well framed photo that you know, you're not doing any kind of crazy poses. You're not wearing, you know, any sort of print that's going to be obnoxious in a couple of years. It may be trendy and <laughs> distracting. Cu- and cute and cool now, but it's probably just going to be distracting and it's yeah. going to be very outdated very soon. Big thing for me, I would say contrast with like what you're wearing in the background of, mm. of what the, the photo is. Like I'm a big fan of grays and earth tones and neutrals on both ends, but I need to see contrast. Hmm please don't wear a pink shirt and have a bright red background Mm. of your photo because that's not going to deliver. It's very clashy and it's just not going to be flattering no matter how good you think it looks. So, you know, a nice earth tone in the back and a solid color top or shirt or something like that.
1: What do you think about, do you have a preference on headshots that are taken in studio or versus outside shots?
2: Honestly, it depends on your photographer. Mm. And I think it depends on looking at their portfolio. And I know I know a ton of photographers and I feel like I've had a lot of headshots done over the decades where the shoot was 100 percent outside. Yeah. And I think it was a trend like 10 years ago. It was for sure. definitely a trend. Was, I feel like yeah. we, we we're moved now in studio. In studio. <laughs> yeah. Because you can do so many things with like. Ch-
0: or like in studio with a window. In, yeah.
2: And different <laughs> types of lighting within studio and portrait lighting and this and that. And it's so easy now to like change the background color. Or we would say that all the time with uh, when we would review headshots for our clients at the agency that like, we really like this one. This is a great shot. But like, can you ask the photographer to change the background color Mm. in post, not to go do another shoot? But it's like this this pairing of the colors doesn't work. Mm. But we really like these photos and these are our select. So if they can make the background a light pink, I think we're set. Great. And they would do it. And it turns out amazing.
1: Right. There's more Uh, flexibility in in that sense because then you don't have the blurry. I mean, I think the blurry outdoor shot like does look good. But then depending on like how busy the background is outside, it can be a little distracting. And like I said, and and we I mean, that's kind of how we started the discussion was that like trends for the headshots, especially will evolve through the years. Like I remember when I first moved to New York, black and white was in. Yeah, it was like right. we, were, so we were still doing it. Back yeah, then. like mm-hmm. when, and I mean, that was like 2007. Like black and white headshots. You better have a black and white headshot. Color? What? No one gets printed in color nowadays. If you have a black and white headshot, uh, yeah, not You've really. You've already dated yourself. Yeah,
0: yeah, a hundred percent.
2: And I just think a classic framing of like a headshot where I need to see like don't cut off the top of your head, mm-hmm. don't pull, don't be zoomed out too far. Like show us a little bit of your upper body, and just so we can see a little bit of your frame and your build without mm. revealing too much. Because again, we're going to get to know you more and mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be that detailed. So I think just like a nice close-up classic headshot framing works best. And then there's, if if you're getting a full shoot done, there are other options you can do. Like a three-quarter body shot is mm-hmm. great. And then you can do a full body shot. You can do dance, uh, like action shots. But I think the tried and true, the the classic headshot framing will never go out of style. And if you if you keep it neutral with what you're wearing and the lighting and the framing and all the things, you can use the same headshot for a long time yes. a- as an adult. Yeah. Again, with the kids, they're going to keep growing and changing. So just a nice, clear photo will work. And people always will understand, like, these are kids. So mm-hmm. you don't just get the job because you spent $1,200 and right. had Ansel Adams Studio take your photo. Like, right. you don't just immediately... <laughs> When because of that, so for the kids and parents like don't go don't go overboard at a young age and look at like look look on agencies' websites and look at photo- dance yes. photographers and headshot photographers' websites mm-hmm. of the types of photos that they 're taking so that you can get a little inspiration and understand what it should be, so that way when yes. you go to your photographer that may be a friend or a family member or somebody, they know what they 're doing and not just what you <laughs> kind of thought looked right in the moment, and it 's just completely wrong
1: yes,
0: right. I think some of the some of the kids and parents listening the only experience they may have with headshot photography would be for like the photogenic category Mm -hmm. at competitions and i'm curious what like your opinion because you've judged also what would be the main differences between a photo for that venue versus a more professional like i'm auditioning for a job venue because i have my thoughts and i'd love to hear yours
2: not gonna lie i always would look at the photogenic entries as if i was looking at professional headshots yeah Obviously, the intention is a little different, but I think we're all looking for a quality photograph of the person. Yeah, that is the bare bones minimum of what either of those things mean in and, and completely different spaces. Where it's not about like, oh, Susie's wearing a cute cardigan and hat and is holding these flowers <laughs> and looking over her shoulder. And, but it's blood. It's blurry and it's black and white. It's like what's I'm there's so much happening in this photo that I'm not exactly sure what the intention is. Where uh-huh. just a well framed you know, cute shot of them smiling and showing their personality and showing who they are like that's I kind of think what it's all about. And that's what casting needs as well. Right. Because it's the, asa- same, thing. It's the same thing. And aside from uh, performer casting and dancer casting and singer casting, commercial casting directors are looking for like lifestyle, real everyday people, majority mm-hmm. of the time. So it goes back to what we were saying earlier, where in the room, when I pick up your headshot, and I want to ask you a question, I should be able to find you and identify you. Yeah. But if I pick it up and I'm like, Susie, and then you raise your hand and I'm like, this is you? Like, (laughs) And I get it. We change our look. We change our hairstyle. We do this. We do that. But like, you've got to you got to update it.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, and I guess so a question to answer would be, does your seven year old need a glamour shot Mm. as her headshot? Does she need to have the flipper and the eyelashes and the big hair? Is that necessary? For me,
2: I would say no. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see everyday Susie, not mm. glamour shot Susie. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Not airbrush Susie. Not
2: airbrush Susie. And you can always do what you need to do with the role. So like this person may be cast for this show or for this movie or for this whatever. And like the role is going to turn into what the role is and the character of what that is. Mm-hmm. We need to see like what you actually look what like and what are with. we working mm-hmm. with and like who are you? Like, yeah. Yeah. again... The takeaway is I need to identify and contact this person, not Mm -hmm. she came Mm -hmm. dressed as Wednesday Adams and she's ready to (laughs) do the Netflix show. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's not what it's about.
1: Yeah, I think that that's interesting to say, too, because we do get that. uh, I think that like a lot of people that enter into photogenic, it, it is either a glamour shot or it's like they have their full beat competition makeup on and then they took a photo shoot. And it's also it's like actually the dancers that submit for that who have just more of a natural look who don't have, you know, even I will say like it's actually a little bit weird normally outside besides when you're on stage to have a full beat of makeup on for a nine-year-old, you know, like a nine-year-old's not walking around in in the daytime with like fake eyelashes
2: on and red lipstick.
1: So why would why does she need that in the photo?
2: And if that same performer is going to be cast for like A catalog or a print campaign it's not going to be that intense anyway they want they want them to look their age and within you know the the parameters of what they're casting for it's lifestyle
1: and it's interesting too even with that like from the approach of like the children having full makeup on like every time i've ever gotten headshots done as a professional you go through different makeup throughout the headshot shoot and they always want different versions of you so they want like the all-natural version of you that looks like you know the the girl next door, fresh. and yeah, the fresh face, and then we can amp it up a little bit with a little bit more of a smoky eye maybe we add an eyelash, and maybe we have a little bit more of a pop of the lip. but like I actually have a different my headshot makeup is very different than what I wear in the room at the audition,, yep. and I think that's important to remember because there have been I always wear a red lip, like when I'm on stage at at when I'm teaching, and when I'm at an audition, I usually have a red lip on, it just makes me pop, it just works in the room. But my headshot doesn't have that. Nope. And 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 that's like such a dramatic choice for a headshot is like a bright red lip because it puts you into a specific category. And like if you are auditioning for something like, again, depending, if I'm going in for something like I'm a teenager, probably not going to put my red lip on. Right. Because I want to portray myself as younger across the board.
2: But if you're going in for a cruise ship or, mm-hmm. you know – Chicago, Chicago or and a more show, mature and then you yeah. can you can always add but it's hard to take away and if you're going to spend money on right. photos and again this is putting your your package together to market yourself if you're putting all this makeup on and all these extra things you're not going to be as marketable for all the the other opportunities that are out right. there or they can see you in the room and be like oh look at her she's got her fishnets on and her red lip and she's mm-hmm. she's dressed for the part but your your headshot still identifies you who you are right without giving too much away yeah and there that this could lead us into a a moment too where like in different markets these are different things we're like Mm -hmm. in la you're gonna have a very different commercial headshot Mm -hmm. than you would here in new york city and it's more of the not the commercial like commercial and print and like advertising realm i'm talking commercial dance, dance yeah where like you're here in new york the classic headshot works best like yeah a tank top for female identifying performers or a solid color shirt you know men again a tank top or if you if you've got the body and you want to go shirtless that great or a, a classic t-shirt etc but like the very stylized commercial headshot from la is very much a thing over there and that's what yeah. all the performers have and they're going out for artist tours you know ariana grande and lizzo and JLo and all the things like that it's a completely different market and so just knowing which you know headshot. how which yeah. headshot but like i said I've repeated multiple times, the classic headshot is going to work in every market around the world. You're
1: going to use it the most. That is
2: your staple. Yeah. So invest in that one. And if you want to do the the commercial dance headshot, if you want to do action shots, if you want to do other things, you can add to it, but I would say invest the most in the the classic shot.
3: Yep.
0: How do you feel about, this is a trendy thing that has kind of come and gone, and I don't know if it's still current, about putting a different picture of yourself on Ooh, your resume? Yes, I wanted to ask
1: that question. Thank you.
0: Oh,
2: you mean
1: like-
0: So on, like on, I would all- A little like- On the
1: actual resume part tiny, as opposed like, to- you know, A little snippet.
2: I would say there's a no right or wrong answer. I personally like it because mm. it stops me from flipping things over
3: mm. back
2: right. and forth. I'm sure, Courtney, you've seen me do this multiple times at the table. Somebody will be dancing and I will flip their- picture around to look at them and be like is this the (laughs) same person is it you you? (laughs) sometimes it's just for my my own brain but other times i'm like wait a second like this is a whole other person up here and i just need to mentally make note cool i like the little photo on the back just so that while you're performing and i'm scanning your resume i can make that connection or
1: is it the same photo on front and back
2: i think it should be in the same vibe it doesn't if it's not the exact same photo that's okay But it should, again, it shouldn't be like the stylized commercial shot on the back. Ah, mm Because, you know, now we're here in like a musical theater audition. And I'm like, well, what's happening? So I think just like the same vibe. It can maybe be, when in doubt, just do the same photo. It really doesn't matter. I personally just like a little square just so I can make the connection. Or for some reason, you did Bobby pin your headshot and resume together and they got separated. At least I know (laughs) who you are. And again, in different markets, like in the UK and in Europe and in different places over there. Uh, They typically have multiple pages stapled and mm, the, pic, mm-hmm. the headshot is sort of like on the resume. It's, it's totally different. So yeah. in a weird way, that kind of keeps it consistent with having a little photo on the resume. Right. For me, it's helpful. Other casting directors may absolutely have their opinions and you may take a course or a professor may tell you no. But for me, I like it. I like it.
1: So interesting. I love hearing all of this. And I just kind of want to reiterate something that you mentioned earlier, Sean, that I think would be really helpful for all of our listeners that are taking all of this information in. And it kind of goes back to how I how we started this and, and my story of how I learned how to write my resume was by my agency. And then, Sean, you recommend go to the go to the dance agency's websites and look at what their headshots look like. Look at what their resumes are. Because majority of the dance agencies out there, and I, we can name drop a few, a few, Block, MSA, Clear Talent Group, GoTo Talent Agency, uh, there's a bunch of them all you know, on the East Coast and West Coast. But if you go to one of their websites, most websites have a roster of their clients and they have a digital profile of the dancers that they represent. And then you can click on their name and look at their headshot. You can click and actually open up their resume and look at the format. And you will know immediately if this resume was approved on an agency's website, that means this is the format that they want. So you know, I think that's a good way to look at it because you could type into Google dance resume and who knows who what, knows what you're going
2: to get. You know what I right. mean?
1: Good but luck. But at least if you do the research in that way where you go to the agency first and see what the agencies have approved, then you know that these are legitimate because they wouldn't rep them if they
2: weren't. 100%. And the common theme you'll see between all those, those major dance agencies that you just listed is that the formatting is very similar. Yes. You know, the agency's branding is up there. The name of the the talent is nice and large. The contact information and attributes are right there. The there's a lot of white space, there's a lot of breathing room, even for people that have booked a million jobs, you may look at a very well known dancer. And there's only like six things listed, because guess what, that's all they need to list. Mm -hmm. They don't need to list the other 500 things that they've done, because that their agent is curating every time they're pitched for things, mm-hmm. they're curating what, what is there. And that's, that's really in more of like a top booker realm mm-hmm. because the agents don't have time to do this for every client that's happening. But they're curating it because they're pitching them to be direct booked for this movie. Right. And so, yeah, you'll see a lo- lots of white space. I've seen some things. We've seen some crazy things <laughs> behind the casting table. I think a couple months ago, I saw a resume that was printed. On, like, printer paper, all black with white type.
3: <gasps> what? Ew. And I
2: just immediately said, oh, what a waste I just of immediately ink. said thoughts and <laughs> prayers for your HP printer at home because <laughs> I just, Ooh, there, there is no, that does not set you apart. That does not make you more marketable. That was a, that was, I mean, I could feel the ink. And also, oh who yeah. wants to read Ugh. white type on black paper? Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. It, yeah, it was, I, I've,
0: at least she, they could have just at least bought black paper. Yeah, right. right. But why, also, so why? You know? so <laughs> so it's why? all
2: just unclear. <laughs> but and it's why? Like, a lot of times you see all these borders and mm-hmm. columns and different colors and this and that. It's like, like all that.
1: Canva temp all Canva that, templates. Yeah, um, I don't need no, all that. No.
2: Especially, it, it actually just makes it harder when we, the dancers in front of me may be going in groups of two, they may be going in groups of 10. Right. And so I need to be able right. to scan and make notes. And again, I want to find you. I want to hire you. And if you're, if, if you're your resume and your package isn't together, then, then it's just making it that much harder for everybody else.
0: When thinking about a headshot, do you want a name on the actual picture? question. I would in say- In service of being easier to find. Yes. yes. Yep.
2: Just at the bottom, you know, centered however you want. Pick your font. Make it clear.
0: Yes.
1: It at, needs
2: to be. Add a border. Make, just make it, make it clean and clear and easy to, like, read.
1: <laughs> it be- doesn't
2: need to be designed. It needs to just be- Right classic and
1: cuz some people depending on like how they run the audition some people hold your headshot in front and mm-hmm. then they expect for the name to be there with the headshot when they're right. calling you out instead of holding it by resume face up and reading the name that way everybody's different with how they approach yep. it in the room so it's important to have your name on the bottom you know big
0: bold letters at the bottom of your headshot oh another question good question horizontal or vertical Ooh. headshots
2: Again, it's personal preference. I don't I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I would for me personally, I like the portrait style vertical because then it's just already lined up with yeah, your resume. Yep. And I do a lot of flipping back and forth and it just mm-hmm. keeps it easy. Like you don't you don't win or lose because it's it's horizontal. I think it's all about the shot, but I personally I just prefer portrait.
1: I do too. And I've gotten to I've been in situations where the photographer shot me horizontally. And then the photo – you can obviously crop it to become vertical, but it doesn't look as good. Like, it was intentionally shot that way. And then now I have to print my headshot because this is the – of course, that's the shot that I like. So, like, you know, now I'm printing it and now I'm that jerk that's coming with the horizontal and and then you have to flip it. And it's just confusing. I I I have never liked that as, like, being the person presenting that. I feel like the jerk in the room, to be quite honest. But – you know I think that's also important for the headshot photographer to know like, "Yo, I hope to have a vertical headshot out of the shoot, so can we shoot it like that, or that's the goal or make sure I can crop it so it actually looks good in that setting, yeah, wow, yeah, I mean, there's so many things I think we could go on and on and on about this, I mean even just digging deeper into you know what what's aware for your headshot shoot and the different looks of a commercial versus a theatrical look for your headshots, and if you have different types of hair like for men they do uh headshots where they are clean shaven and then they have they do a headshot with their beard if they can grow a beard uh same with uh female dancers if they have uh curly hair like me but then you also wear it straight and if you want to have those two looks like it just depends on you know how many ways you want to portray yourself in the industry and if you can you know if you're able to have different looks like my recent headshots I did a hair down and I did a hair in a ponytail two different looks with my bangs just to showcase, you know, and I can use which one I want depending on what I'm going
2: in for as an auditioner. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so many types of performers and all different types of work and, and you want to make yourself marketable for that. We would have a lot of clients where they change their hair a lot. Sometimes they have box braids in. sometimes they have, you know, different uh, hairstyles and you, you want to be able to show both and sort of present the hair for, the audition that you're going in for mm. and we as a casting team or as agents or as choreographers can know like that again it's it's able to ask questions are you willing to change your hair mm-hmm. are you willing to do this i Oof. see that i see that you presented you know your hair is really short and curly in this but Oof. or in, in person but i see your headshot has braids so that is a conversation of are you willing to do this for this job and a lot of times people will put on their resume like willing open to changing my hair
1: it's on my resume and it's happened on yeah. so many of my jobs practically all of the jobs <laughs> yeah. i look back on they've changed my hair like i think actually everybody go listen to the episode that i was on and leslie you were on the same podcast uh jam with joe and michelle dance podcast and i talked about a few of my different hair changes that i had to do in my professional career with west side story on tour as well as the and fossey Uh, show I you know drastic hair changes and (laughs) was I willing yes you know was I nervous yes (laughs) but I put it on my resume (laughs) so again you have to be willing if it's in your special skills you gotta be
2: okay with it yep I uh, did a seminar a couple months ago and this guy had really long like awesome hair and he was asking you know he was like do you think that I need to get headshots done with me with different hair like cut or this or that and I said Honestly, no, because I think it's a conversation piece and you have great hair. Mm -hmm. And I would say like that could be super marketable for you for like TV and film or a certain theater piece. But also let them know that you're willing to cut your hair because you're Mm -hmm. already you're already offering it up to the casting director or the production team. Like, yes, you have this long, long hair, but like you're also willing to go and do like a 1940s, 50s cut Mm -hmm. for like Miss Maisel. Mm -hmm. And if you're if you're already letting us know that you're willing to do that, then Great. We don't have to have. We will still have the conversation later. But you're already in the yes pile because you're willing to do it
1: exactly.
0: And Miss mazel gave you a free and haircut. You, if you needed <laughs> your haircut. <laughs> so R.I.P. That yep. show. i <laughs> know yeah,
2: it's the final season. Yep. Well, y'all. What else? What? What have we? Uh,
1: I mean, we're, we're at the we're at the mark. Is there an? Yeah, we could talk about those for hours. We could talk about it all (laughs) night long. There's just so much to cover. Like I said, I knew we would need. We'll eventually need to break this into even deeper conversations specific to resume. But I really feel like we we achieved so much in this discussion.
0: I mean, this is even more than a teaser. Like it's a, it's almost a entree. You know, like it's there's more to be had and more to be talked about for sure. But I definitely think. For the uninitiated, I think this is a very good starting point for understanding what is expected from each of these things, which, again, go hand in hand almost 99% of the time.
1: Absolutely. Are there any
0: things that we missed, Sean, that you're dying to tell us? I think something, a a new
2: trend I would stress is putting your Instagram on your resume. If it fits in line with like you have a, a dance Instagram or a professional performer Instagram, because the amount of times I'm YouTubing people, I'm Instagramming Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm, I'm looking for additional footage. And Mm -hmm. if you already if you're already giving me the link to go right there, like, here's my YouTube channel, here's my Instagram handle. And there's things that are related to the business on there. I think that's just it's saving me a step from absolutely googling you like crazy.
1: And like, sad to say it, but if you have a lot of followers, put that on there too. Yeah, because it really and same with TikTok. Like if you are if you're a TikTok famous, Like, it's kind of like, a whoa, oh, my God, they have 300,000 followers on TikTok. Like, I mean, right. it's it's sad that that's what the world we're living in. But like, it's an immediate like, whoa, I want to I want to go check out their profile to see why they have 300,000 followers. And it might you never know what that could lead you to. So I think, you know, your social media, which we actually are having a an episode later this season on how to brand yourself as a dancer, which I heavily think will be talking about social media. But. Your Instagram is your business card these days. So it needs to represent you and if and especially if you're going to put it on your resume. If you are comfortable putting it on your resume, please know that that casting director most likely will type your Instagram handle in and go look at your your Instagram feed and you want it to reflect you as a dancer and not you like partying all night and uh you know Mm -hmm. live in you know what i mean like you want it to you want it to have
0: yeah be relevant to the thing exactly have have a have a personal account and then have your related account to whatever you do
1: business account whatever but i think it i do think it is important to have at this point it's like i've been dreading and i'm like i don't want to put my instagram on my resume but i think (laughs) we have to put our instagram on our resume (laughs) or if a website if you have a website
2: yep website youtube channel instagram tiktok and, and like you said, if I go to your TikTok or your Instagram, I should be able to right away see dance footage, see mm-hmm. uh, a, a dance shot of you. I should be able to like within the first three rows, get to know you a little bit more of why I came here rather than just seeing you and your pets and like your vacation <laughs> you took, which I'm sure is lovely. But I'm
3: yeah, that's not free. why I'm
2: that's not why I'm coming to your <laughs> that's not why I'm coming to your page. So yeah, uh, right. yeah, keep it keep it helpful for for casting and all the other things.
1: Sean, this was such a great chat and I'm so glad I finally convinced you and I knew this was the perfect episode to have you because you just have so much knowledge on this topic and you couldn't have been a better guest. So thank you so much for spending your evening with us after a long day of casting all day long. We're very grateful for you to squeeze us in and love having you. We're going to have to have you back on another one.
2: Yeah, this was amazing. Again, I'm so happy I finally got to sit down and have this chat with you all and look forward to coming back at another time.
1: Well, how we always have our guests lead us out is with the final
2: thoughts on the topic. So
1: any final thoughts you want to share about headshots and resumes coming from a current casting director?
2: I think I just want to stress like your headshot and resume is a calling card to find you pre post and during audition. (laughs) And, you know, it doesn't have to be flooded with information. It just needs to get the get the conversation started and be a a leave behind so that we can reach out with more information. I would say overall, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money and take a huge amount of time and energy and effort and money to, to produce a quality headshot and resume.
1: We hope you enjoyed this week's episode all about headshots and resumes. Be sure to follow our special guest on social media. You can find Sean on Instagram at SeanTayYouStay.
0: Don't forget to follow Making the Impact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want more exclusive episodes, support our podcast by joining our Platinum Premium membership for only $5 a month. Subscribers receive free Making the Impact stickers, shout-outs live on the air, ad-free listening, and exclusive access to our Q&A episodes for members only. Join now at impactdanceadjudicators.com slash Premium or click the link in our show notes. Be sure to check out IDA-affiliated competition, Spirit of Dance Awards.
1: Spirit of Dance Awards has competition events throughout New England and the tri-state area. SDA is thrilled to offer their Spirit Class for dancers with special considerations and are especially proud of their Trophies for a Cause program, in which studios have the opportunity to donate the funds that would have been spent on trophies to charities of their choice. At SDA, you will find their judges to be highly qualified and knowledgeable dance professionals, exclusively from the roster of judges at Impact Dance Adjudicators. At each event, they provide designated studio dressing areas, director and teacher VIP perks, scholarships, choreography awards, cash prizes, and so much more. For more information about Spirit of Dance Awards 2023 tour dates, head to their website now at spiritofdanceawards.com. We hope to see you at one of their upcoming events.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Making the Impact. Stay tuned for the next few episodes coming up, including our next spotlight feature, keeping dance physically safe, and transitions. We hope you're
1: enjoying season four of Making It Impact. Thanks for tuning in week after week. We'll see you next week.
3: Until then, keep dancing.